Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking, welcoming you to episode 7 as we fly over Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I want to thank you for flying with the Local Lou Podcast. Well, hey there, everybody. We'd like to invite you to visit South Dakota through the eyes of Local Lou. She'll take you on a tour of lots of things to see and do. Enjoy your virtual visit through the eyes of local Hi guys, and welcome to the Local Loop Podcast. Right away, thank you bunches for stopping by to listen. Please share this podcast with your friends and follow Local Lou Podcast on Instagram to check out historical markers, parks, and in my stories, I like to share various podcasts I enjoy as well as my daily life here in South Dakota. Today, we're going to Riverdale Park in Sioux Falls. It's off of East 24th Street. In my recent adventures to explore bridges in the area, I went there multiple times to look at, walk, and enjoy the bridge that they have that was built in 1880. In fact, I will let you in on a nice little secret, which is a quiet little path under the bridge on the side near the football field. There's a little path that you can take that leads to a dirt trail right along the Big Sioux River. It is a refreshing place to visit. Back to the park itself, though, there are two historical markers. And today, we are going to talk about the one that marks the first flight over Sioux Falls. There is a rich aviation history in this area, and I was lucky enough to attend something that commemorates that. In fall of 2018, the Joe Foss Squadron Commemorative Air Force here in Sioux Falls had an airplane hangar dance. It was such a fun event. I went with some coworkers, and there was a 1940s theme where costumes were encouraged. I feel like you guys should know or understand about me that I too strongly encourage costumes and not just for theme dances. There was a big brass band playing music and they did a little dance tutorial at the start, but luckily they had real dancers there to keep the dance floor active all night. The CAF also had set up a history presentation in one of the corners of the airplane hangar with pictures and explanations of people, events, and planes. It was also really neat to get up close and personal to a real plane from World War II. I don't have any information on what sort of plane it was, but I do have pictures, so I will post that to Local Lou Podcast Instagram page around the time that this airs. I look forward to a time without COVID-19 where the Joe Foss Squadron CAF can do their airplane hangar dances again. It's a great fundraiser and it's a fun time. One fun memory of that night was trying to find where the dance was <laughs> and my friend KK was driving, was adamant that she would be able to find this place. A few minutes into just somehow being able to locate it with no specific information, I decided, hey, let's maybe look on a map. When I shared the map with KK, she explained to me how she disagreed with the direction. And I said out loud, but how can you disagree with a map? Both ways of thought are right though. In some ways, since you can't really put your blind faith in GPS, I myself know of two different times a GPS has taken me to somebody's driveway instead of a state park. But this wasn't a GPS, it was a map. (laughs) 
a map that had a building on it, and that was the building we were supposed to go to. Anyways, two stubborn people lost in late, but we made it there and stayed until it was over, and then we went out afterwards as a group in full costume. Everyone stopped and applauded as we walked into a local establishment. Some people thinking we were performers, and another group of people thought we were part of a themed wedding party. Either way, that costume got me a few free drinks that night. (laughs) Back to Riverdale Park. It is somewhat random, but the park has a permanent ping pong table. I'm not sure how many of those you have run across in your explorations, but for me, it's only the second one I've seen, and both are in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. So shout out to Sioux Falls Parks and Rec for making that a thing, because it's kind of awesome. This park has tennis, basketball, and sand volleyball courts, football fields, a nice playground, a cool dirt trail, access to the bike trail, and an awesome bridge from 1888 made by M. Lassig Builder, Chicago, Illinois. At least that was from the rigorous research I did of reading a plaque that is affixed to the bridge. (laughs) And lastly, there are two really interesting historical markers. Now let's go ahead and focus in on the one about flying. The first flight in Sioux Falls sets in motion the events to come that will lead to the strong aviation connections in the area. So let's read that historical marker. Historical marker. The first flying machine. The first airplane flight over Sioux Falls took place only nine years after the flight of the Wright brothers at Kitty Hawk, North Carolina in 1903. To entertain a state convention here, local PBO Elks Lodge number 262 contracted with the Curtis Exhibition Company to provide a Curtis Pusher biplane and a trained pilot with a guarantee of two successful flights. A dismantled and crated aircraft was shipped to Sioux Falls by rail after the primitive flying machine was reassembled near this spot. Over 11,000 spectators watched two flight attempts. Both times, strong winds dashed the fragile canvas wood and bamboo plane back to earth. Aviator Claude Berlin, a former resident of Crooks in Sioux Falls, supervised the repairs to the damaged wings and frame. The next day, on June 20, 1912, Berlin tested the controls, revved up the motor, and soon had the machine gliding skyward 1,000 feet in the air in a 12-minute flight. For Sioux Falls, the age of aviation had arrived. Historical marker, the first flying machine, Riverdale Park, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Before we take off, I ask that you have your seats in the upright position and seatbelts fastened as we will travel back to a time before common everyday air travel. Having only ever lived in a world where airplanes have existed my entire existence, it was eye-opening to read some newspaper accounts on the new topic of flight. In the Bad River news article from November 1911 titled Real Flying, quote, airplane flights, so-called, are not the real thing because the machine stays aloft by the power of an engine applied to the air through propellers, the circular motion being entirely different from the flight of a bird." End quote. In 1911, the Mitchell Capital article announcing the upcoming State Fair flight, the reporter writes, quote, Our grandfathers witnessed the origin and early growth of steam power. It is now our privilege to see the beginning and evolution of aircraft, end quote. Another newspaper article described seeing an airplane as a double-decker kite 
sky sailing. And I, for one, am all in favor of calling flying sky sailing from now on. In 1903, Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, the Wright brothers fly the first motor-operated airplane. Now, wait a second. I remember hearing about hot air balloons in the Civil War, gas-filled balloons, and gliders in the 1700s. So what's up with that? The difference is the Wright brothers were in what is called a heavier-than-air aircraft. Fancy word of warning, heavier-than-air aircraft, weighing more than the air that it displaces, hence having to obtain lift by aerodynamic means. I remember watching the opening ceremonies of the Olympics in Rio in 2016, and that being the absolute first time in my life of hearing there's a possibility of someone besides the Wright brothers being the first to fly. It was a lot to process, but once I did, I realized I don't think I ever thought that the Wright brothers were the first people in the world to fly. I believe that I thought that there was a chance that other creators and visionaries from previous centuries had possibly taken flight in machines. Leonardo da Vinci has sketches of several flying machine type contractions. Do we know for sure that none were successful? The Wright brothers' first flight at Kitty Hawk was 12 seconds, and it covered 120 feet. 12 seconds is pretty fast, though I'm sure when you're flying through the air, pioneering air travel, it probably felt like a small eternity. And for me, I don't know if they were the absolute first, but it in no way changes or ruins it if Alberto Santos Dumont, the Brazilian inventor, was the first to fly in October 1906. His flight was 16 feet off the ground and traveled about 200 feet. But what's the controversy? The Wright brothers' flight happened in 1903. It boils down to two things, witnesses and wheels. Albert Santos Dumont had a lot of witnesses, and his aircraft had wheels. And the Wright brothers did not. But wait, let's not have them fight it out. Let's get Gustav Whitehead in here, a German immigrant that lived in Bridgeport, Connecticut, who said he flew his airplane for half a mile in 1901. There is evidence on both sides of all of these stories, and yet in my mind, and probably yours, the Wright brothers fly to the top of the list. And that's okay. History tries to get the facts right, but some things are up to interpretation and lack of documentation. Things that could have been easily sorted out at the time become less clear a hundred years later. It would have been amazing to live in a world without flight and so magical to read about it in newspapers or even hear about it from another person that saw an airplane in real life. This, for me, sets the excitement in 1911 when Rapid City, South Dakota has the first flight in the state. So you can imagine Sioux Falls being a more populous area in the state getting its first flight the very next year, how 11,000 people show up. And that isn't even that big of a number. Remember, we have seen crowds at some of these historical markers that are larger than that already. The Central United States Ski Tournament in 1936 at the Canton Ski Hill had 15,000 spectators. And not to spoil anything, but we're going to see an even bigger crowd in a historical marker just down the road, or specifically in the other corner of this very parking lot. What immediately strikes me about this marker is how the plane is described as an almost delicate item that breaks easily and is made out of very humble items, canvas, wood, and yet somehow people flew that a thousand feet in the air. It's unsettling. Much respect to Claude Berlin. 
an absolute daredevil to trust in this plane. I know that 1912 is super early in this new technology, so I looked up a picture of the Curtis Pusher biplane from 1912 on the Smithsonian Institute. And guys, I'm scared. It looks like a bicycle glued to a few kites with a boat motor. From the little I was able to find about Claude Berlin, at one point he was a grocery store owner in Washington State that became the first pilot in the area. My absolute favorite article though I read about him was earlier in 1912 when the Centralia Daily Chronicle wrote, quote, while making a trial flight in his new airplane at the fairgrounds yesterday morning, the engine of the machine failed and Claude Berlin fell to the ground a distance of 40 feet, end quote. Fell to the ground, 40 feet. While it's accurate to say he fell, I suppose the term I would have used is plane crash. <laughs> and that happened just weeks before his flight in Sioux Falls. This guy must have been the original Man of Steel because I'm not sure I would have been climbing into a plane that can be disassembled and reassembled like a rickety old ride at a sketchy carnival. Time for a rumor. Something that really feels like it could be proved, but hasn't been authenticated yet. The Wright brothers had an uncle, Samuel Wright. Well, that true. <laughs> that part's 100% true. The Wright brothers had an uncle, Samuel Wright, who lived near Hollabird, South Dakota. I was not aware where Hollabird, South Dakota was, so I looked at a map, and it is 40 miles east of our capital pier. It said that the brothers spent some time in Hollabird with their uncle in 1893, with Wilbur even possibly teaching a year at the Hollabird school and Orville helping out their cousin Clara by teaching Sunday school. What I like about this story is it doesn't claim very much. They weren't making flying machines or doing experiments. They were just here for a little bit, helping him on his homestead. It feels like it could be true, but I can't find anything to verify it. Even the articles that I read about it are articles about it. I can't find any newspaper articles from... 1893, 1894, referencing the Wright brothers being in town. I was able to find a few on Clara, their cousin, and Samuel, their uncle, but nothing that specifically talked about them. So again, rumor. One fascinating note about this historical marker is it has almost two sentences that appear in another historical marker about aviation history in South Dakota. I find that comforting and annoying, but we will get to that when we come to it for one really good reason, and that is I've actually not seen the second historical marker that I'm referring to in person yet. It's sort of an oddball location that I haven't made time to visit. I have a special love for historical markers that live in parks in less busy places, but that doesn't mean I can't appreciate ones that are alongside busy streets. It just means it's not on the top of my priority during prime weather season here in the upper Midwest. As always, it's time to gush over my listeners, and thank you guys profusely for being awesome. Straight up, I would do this podcast if nobody listened, but it's so much cooler that you do. Thank you for listening and joining me on my little adventures. If you want to see pictures and get a taste of my daily life in South Dakota, head over to Instagram at Local Loop Podcast. Remember, all the cool kids, subscribe, like, and review my podcast wherever you're listening. Shout out to Hallberg for binging my podcast on 
a cross-country road trip. Thank you, Mr. Johnson, for teaching me how to edit this thing all by myself. And thank you, Claude, for my theme song because it makes me smile. Have a great, wonderful day, guys, and see you next time on the Local Lou Podcast.